Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Hey, so I, I, I packed a, a little bit of extra, a lot of extra scripture in this morning, so I want to jump right in. I like to jump in by way of review to get started, and I think the best way to do that this morning really is just to read from Romans chapter 6. If you haven't been engaged with us, I just encourage you to go back at least several weeks. We started out kind of in Romans chapter 3, and we've been going not exactly verse by verse, but, but kind of verse by verse from Romans 3 uh, through what is now uh, today the last half of Romans chapter 6. So if you've ever been confused and perplexed by Romans, the book of Romans, they're like, I don't even know, I've got to have a degree to read this thing. Then go back and take a look at that series. We've excavated a lot of powerful truths over the last few weeks. And one of them comes right out of this, starting in verse 2. It says, How shall we who died to sin still live in it? He's hitting right out of the blocks, man. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection. By the way, that's right now. Verse 6, knowing this, of course there's more to come, but it is right now. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. How many of you say, that's, come on, that's a big amen right there. That's the best news you'll ever going to hear right there. That's the best news you're going to hear all week. That he who has died is freed from sin. How many people in here are walking dead? <laughs> How many have died? Hello, come on. How many have died? Some of you are getting too theological. You're like, I'm not walking dead, it's dead. Because that's what you said last week. All right? You know, if, if you are saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you have died. And quite specifically, this outlines what died. And it says here, the old self. Does anybody remember from a couple of weeks ago what the old self is? Old Say it again. It's the old nature. When it says old self, it's talking about our old nature, your original nature, that which you were born with, that which was connected to the original man, Adam, and was corrupted by original sin. We talked about it as it relates to a computer program being corrupted. Like your program was corrupted by sin, and because it was tied to the first Adam, you became sinners. This is the old nature. Your old nature was prone to sin because of its corrupted programming. That's what we've got on, or that's what we had. That's what we had to deal with. Now, a couple of weeks ago, again, this is just a reminder. Uh, if it says that, that our old self, our old nature, our previous nature, that which we were born with has died, then is it coming back? Are you guys live? Are we all right? We had good worship, and now this guy's up here yelling at us, and we don't like it. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? So what, ha- what happens to things when they die? Come on, who was here? They're gone. Thank you. So who was here a couple of weeks ago when I, when I this is just a reminder. All right, so you guys are going to have to dig deep. I know it's been two weeks. <laughs> what happens to things when they die? They're gone. So when the Bible says that your old nature, that which was tied to original sin is dead, do you think it's still here for you to play with? 
If you're born again, if you're saved, if you've given your lives to Jesus Christ, this is saying that that which you were born with has died. It died with Christ, and you were resurrected with Christ. Corinthians tells us that when we were resurrected with Christ, when we said yes to him, that we were made a new creation. We were made, we were brand new. Something actually magnificent was metamorphosized. We were uh, in the cocoon in death, buried with Christ, and we were raised again like a butterfly in a metamorphosis. We are now something different. And Second Peter tells us that that something different is attached to his divine nature. Amen. So where I started out in this earth, in this world, born and, and condemned and under sin, I am now actually born again something new, something that carries the divine nature of God that is now not longer prone to sin, but is prone to righteousness. That's what the Word of God tells you. And we're just, again, talking about the reminder of where we've been. Verse 6 tells us what happens when things die. It says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him. So what happened to your old self again? It died. It was crucified. In order that your body of sin might be done away with. Again, what happens to things when they die? They don't come back. They're done away with. This is expressly what the scriptures tell us here. You no longer, the bottom line is this. You no longer have to choose sin. You no longer have to partner with it because you're no longer a sinner. That's what we've been talking about. You say, wait a second. If, if Jesus gave me a new nature, if Jesus gave me a new nature, then, then why do I... Why do I still sin? If he really truly gave me a new nature, this is the, this is the point, this is the issue for people. The, 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 it, whatever I'm trying to say, the, this is what they take issue with. If I have a new nature, then, then, then why do I still sin? You still sin because sin's accessible. Because sin's still an option. Most of us still sin because we believe that we're powerless. We believe that we're powerless to change. We believe that we're powerless to choose a different pattern of behavior. We believe that we're powerless to think a different way. But how many of you know that Bible that you read says something different of you? Amen. You are not powerless today. As a saint who chooses to partner with sin, to say that you've reverted back to your old nature, I said this a couple weeks ago, is like Patrick Mahomes losing a football game. <clears throat> of which he's done many times this year. <laughs> and declaring over himself that he's no longer athletic. <laughs> That's silly. That's ridiculous. Well, we all know that Patrick Mahomes is athletic, right? Because he was born and given that gift from God. He didn't earn it. He was naturally athletic. Now he had to cultivate it. He had to do something with it. He had to practice. He had to learn the plays. He had to, is, there's a responsibility that we partner with God, but he didn't ask for it. It was granted to him. The man was given athleticism by God for him to, to mess up a game, to, for him to lose a battle, and then all of a sudden to go, nope, that shifts my whole nature. I'm no longer who God said and created me to be. I'm something different. I'm, I'm not athletic. Maybe I'm nerdy. No, sorry, Patrick Mahomes, you're never going to be nerdy. You're always going to be athletic because one single battle lost doesn't dictate what your nature is. It's just a battle lost. It's just a game lost. You are who he says you are, and he says that you're saints. Amen? Amen. We need to understand this. What happens to things when they die? Your old nature is, has been done away with. Your old nature is dead. It's gone. It's not to be resurrected. It's not to be played with. It's not coming back. 
then I want to submit to you, if that's true and that's what the Bible says, then your issue is not your old nature. Your issue is sin. We fight. John Mark said this the other day. I, oh, he's not here anymore. He's downstairs. We're serving. He said this the other day. I was, I was hesitant to say it myself, even though my spirit bubbled up prior to him saying it, and him saying it's probably confirmation. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does the Bible call your old nature? Flesh. We wrestle not against flesh. It's an interesting thought that I pose to you. You're not wrestling against your old dead nature. You're wrestling against sin. Why do I choose sin if I have a new nature? Because you have to renew your mind. It doesn't make you a sinner. It makes you a saint who's choosing to partner with the old sin. This brings us up to verse 11, chapter 6. It says, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting your mem- the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Now, some people have looked at this and they've taken issue with it. Well, it says, it says to just consider. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin. As if you're not actually dead to sin, I want you to make up something and just try to live like you are. Now, you know, that's not what it actually is saying here at all. In fact, you get into the original language, it's a much more uh, aggressive word than that that simply says this. When you were born again, you were given a new identity. Now live like it. That's what it's saying. That's what it means. That's what that whole passage, it's all scholarly, and the Apostle Paul uses these big words, but at the end of the day, he's saying when you got saved, there was a supernatural transaction on the inside of you that set you free from the way that you were and empowered you to be something that you could never be on your own. We call that grace. Grace was imparted to you by the work of the cross to empower you to walk in a fresh new way according to your new identity. Who gave you that identity? God did when you were born. When you were born again, you got a new identity, a new nature, a divine nature, it tells us in 2 Peter. A divine nature. Hey, he's saying, listen, this is not who you are anymore, so stop acting like it. Embrace this new reality. Embrace who you actually are. Now, the Apostle Paul, he uses, even Jesus uses it, talking about this, this mortal body. He's really using it as an illustration. Like, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. What does that mean? It means don't let sin rule you anymore. What's your issue with? Your issues with sin. Don't let it master you anymore. Don't become a slave to sin again, that you would obey its dictates. What's, he, what's presupposed in the text? That you now have power over it. See, he's introducing this concept. He's talking about the very last thing there. For, for sin shall not be master over you. What is he saying? You're no longer a slave to sin, but you are not under the law, he says, but under grace and under the law. Like, what did the law do for us? The law enumerated the righteous or the right ways of God. We see that in Deuteronomy. He says, do these things. It's going to go really well for you. You screw up, do an atonement because you need Jesus. You know, do these things. It's going, to lend, it's going to lead you to death because all sin ultimately leads to death. Like, it, it enumerated the ways of God as it contrasted from the ways of man, the unrighteous ways 
of man. That's what the law did for you. It pointed out the right ways of God. What we're about to get into is this reality that Paul faced under the law, where he wrestled with himself on the inside, understanding the Word of God, knowing what the Word of God said, that these are the right ways of God, but being unable actually to deliver on it. Having this war waging on the inside of himself, recognizing, I understand the Word of God, I believe the Word of God, but I'm continually falling short. Remember for a few weeks ago, here's the question. Did Jesus leave you where he found you, floundering to fight against sin, never to actually gain victory until you finally die and go to heaven someday? Or did he empower you for victory in every battle that you will ever face? See, the word of God tells us that he gave us everything that we need for life and for godliness, and that he died to give us life, not just what we need, but life in abundance. What does it mean to be godly? It means to be like him. He's empowered you to actually be like him. He refuses to leave you where he found you, and he actually inhabits you and brings power on the inside of you for you to be able to walk in a new way. He's not leaving you abandoned to your own devices. He's not leaving you where he found you. He is faithful to complete the work that he's began in you. He is not the God who will ever leave you or forsake you. That means the battle is then between our ears. It's the battle of the mind. I want to tell you this. God is not the kind of God that will perpetually dangle a carrot out in front of you to try to get you to perform in a certain way. It's not all about your performance. It's about your heart anyway. He's not trying to get you to perform in a certain way. He's trying to get you to love in a certain way. He's trying to get you to walk in a certain way out of love for him, not to perform for him. He's trying to invite you into something that's, that's, that's way bigger than our normal, natural human experience. And here he's, he's upping the anime. <laughs> the, the anime? I don't know what that is. He's upping the anime. We like Japanese stuff. <laughs> he's upping the enema. That's the other way that could have gone, Todd. <laughs> Flushing sin out of our body. What were you? What are you guys? You, you guys really fell off. I was right on target. I don't know what you guys are talking about? He ups the ante by bringing us into a commandment. He's commanding you not to live like the world anymore. Now remember what I just said. God doesn't dangle a carrot in front of you that you can't actually obtain. And so when God gives you a command not to live like the world anymore, but to step into your identity, your identity, excuse me, how many of you know he's empowering you to be able to do it? He's empowering you to be able to do it. Right now, today, if you are born again, you have the power living on the inside of you to overcome every sin and every temptation you will ever face, even if it was something that beset you before the cross. I think we often lie to ourselves. It says in the scripture, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. What's it talking about there? It's saying some of you need to get out of your situation. 
Don't present your members to unrighteousness. What's it saying? It's saying that you got saved. You once were over here doing the waves of the world, and there was a sphere, an atmosphere. There were people who were influencing you. There were certain thought patterns that you had. There were ways and belief systems that you executed in your life. But you have died with Christ. You've been raised again to newness of life over here, empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in a brand spanking new way. He's but he's released Holy Spirit on the inside of you to partner with God's new ways. He's saying there's been a metamorphosis, a transition in your life that's happened, and now you need to actually do the work that's necessary to clean up your world. This is a fatal mistake of every addict that ever was. You know, you, you, you start to think in a new way. You, you start to change your behaviors. Maybe you do a program. Maybe you do whatever you do, but you're like, I don't want to live like that anymore. That's great. I'm graduating over here. I'm learning new principles. The problem is you haven't cleaned up your environment. The problem is you still have the same old friends, the same old problems. And when life comes and begins to knock on your door like it does all of us, you find that you have the same old comforts. And when you're down in the dumps one day, because you've got those same friends around you, they just pass you another joint. And because you don't have your guard up, because you're down in the dumps, you just join with the same old comforts that always comforted you before, and it takes you right back down the road of destruction. What's this saying? It's saying you've got to go after sin and patterns of behavior in your life. Don't represent yourself back into that which you were saved out of. You have to change those environments. You can't continue to be around those kinds of people that are going to tempt you and pull you right back into the same old behaviors. You have to get... You, oh, Jesus even addresses this by saying it like this. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, then rip it out of your face. What's he talking about? He's sure as heck not talking about like self-mutilation. <laughs> He's using the body again as an illustration to say, listen, you have to go aggressively after sin. You have to go aggressively after your partnerships and your relationship. You have to go aggressively after the atmosphere that, would, that, that, that ultimately provided the place of incubation for sin previously that caught me up in my addiction and in my lifestyle. And I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol. We're talking about sexual addictions and food addictions and anything else that you've run to for the place of comfort. We have to begin to do the hard work in our lives to shift from this place of I've been saved into this place of God now is my only comfort. It's like sometimes we feel like it's like magic, you know? It's like, well, I got saved. Why didn't it fix all my problems? It's not magic. There's, there's work to be done. And we have to partner with God. And we have to get serious about it. Just like he said, pluck it out of my life. This which causes me to fall back into that and to think that way about myself and who I am that's contrary to the word of God. Those, those, those influences in my life have to go. I can't live here anymore. I can't be around these people. I can't be in this environment. I better get my butt to church where there's people who think different. Where there's people who see gold in me. Where there's people who see past what I was and they see what I am becoming and they see, what, they see the glory of God on me. They see the gift and the calling of God on me. They're not just defining me by who I was and by what I was and where I was and the way that I used to be and think. No, they're calling me into the better that they see. They're calling me into the goal. They're calling me into the reality that Christ paid for me. You've got to get around people who can foster that in your hearts and lives. 
In effect, that's what this word is telling us. Years ago, my brother, every year for Christmas, would buy me a Playboy subscription. Oh my gosh, I can't believe a pastor just said that from the stage. I had stacks of them, man. You know, we used to deceive ourselves into thinking they were collectibles, you know. You know, they're, they're, you know it's like, in 30 years, this is going to be worth something. What did you pay, a dollar? I bet it's going to be worth two. They got you, you know. When I got saved, one of the first things I did was start a burn barrel. Actually, we, we had been dating by then. In fact, you were with me. There you go. My now wife of 23 years walked out into the middle of the woods to a burn barrel, and I tossed every one of those magazines into the burn barrel and lit them up and never looked back. You have to change your environment. You have to go aggressively after it. You can't just hope it all goes away. You have to change the way that you think. Pastor Misty pointed out to me recently, there's a scripture in Corinthians, I think, where the apostle Paul says, what benefit did you derive from those things that you used to do? I think that's a good question because it helps us to point to the issue that's in our heart that causes us to continue to fall back into the same old patterns. What benefit did you derive from those things? Well, it made me feel connected. Okay, so you got an issue of connection. What benefit did you derive from those things? Well, it made me feel like I was a part of a family and those are the only people that ever accepted me. So, oh, so you've got a rejection issue. It's a good question to ask Holy Spirit. What need did that thing answer in my heart? Because if you haven't addressed that need in your heart, it's going to be real difficult to change the way that you think. Is this making sense? This brings us into chapter 7. Holy smokes, we got good time today. You guys okay being here till Jesus comes back? Yeah. It, it'll be a good moment. This brings us into chapter 7. It says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as they live. Now, why in the world did I start there? I started there because I want to present to you the context for everything that follows. In verse 14, previously, chapter 6, verse 14, he just got done telling us, we had this contrast where he says this, for sin shall not be master over you. In other words, I'm not a slave to that thing anymore. Sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, excuse me, but you are under grace. Now in chapter 7, what are we talking about again? The law. We're talking about the law. We still alive? Okay, I got to just make sure once in a while, I'll check your polls. We absolutely have to keep this straight as we move forward because this is where it gets confusing when you're following the Apostle Paul. How many of you know even the Apostle Peter said Paul was confusing? <laughs> Verse 5. For why, while we were in the flesh, everybody say were. were. While we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, everybody say by the law. We're at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now, say, but now. now. We have been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound, so that we serve in the newness of the Spirit and not the oldness of the letter. 
I want to remind you, you died with Christ and you were raised with Christ. When you died, you were severed. And this is what, uh, is what the, the, all of the last half of chapter 6 actually begins to talk about. When you were died, you were legally released from the contract of the law. You were legally released from the covenant. He likens it unto marriage. You can only be released from marriage when you die. You die, your spouse dies, you're released to marry again, right? Okay, and so he's relating that in the scriptures to this legal process. And he's saying, you have died, you've died with Christ, you were raised again with Christ, that you, and you were set free from the law. What did the law do? The law enumerated the righteousness of God, the unrighteousness of man, and presented something before us that was an impossibility because we were broken, because our programming had been rewritten by the introduction of the fall of man and sin. Is this making sense? And this is all what he's talking about as we jump into verse 7. What shall we say then? Is law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would have not known sin except through the law. See there again, the, sin, or the law just simply pointed out what sin was. It enumerated it. For I would have not known about coveting if the law had not said you shouldn't covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. And apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. What does the law do? It points out sin, and all sin leads us to death. What the Apostle Paul is simply getting at is this. When he was under the law and saw the word of God, the righteous ways of God enumerated, he recognized, yeah, this is sin, this is righteous. These are the ways of God, these are the ways of man. And he recognized now there was a struggle that was on the inside of him. That's what he's talking about. Under the law, there was a struggle on the inside of me, and I did not have the ability to do that which I saw in the Word, the right ways of God. I didn't have the ability to do it because my system was corrupted by sin. And even though I agreed with God that the Word was correct, that it was right, that these are your right ways, he simply had an inability to do it. Why? Because he was a slave to sin. Jump to verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold into bondage to sin. Now, this is where people get completely derailed. Because the Apostle Paul says, I am sold into bondage to sin. Now, he's speaking in the first person as if this is a a present-day struggle for him. And so everybody tends to look at this and go, Oh, see, the Apostle Paul, he was struggling with all this stuff. And if the Apostle Paul, because he's really amazing, like, you know, the whole ministry is Apostle, because he's so amazing, if he was struggling with this stuff, then I'm going to struggle perpetually for the rest of my life. See, the Word of God says that. But here's the problem. If we come to that conclusion, we've forgotten everything that the Apostle Paul just said to us. You can't throw out all of chapter 6 so that you can identify with chapter 7, which we're now in. You try to identify usually with chapter 7 because we want an an excuse. We want the license not to change. Change is really hard. Wait, you mean to tell me that I don't have to live like this? That I can actually choose to be better? That I can can step out of the miry clay and into life, life indeed, life and abundance? Yeah, you can do that. Now that means you're responsible. The moment that you agree with this mess that Paul is presenting, by the way, it was under the law, The moment you agree to that and you apply it to modern day is the moment you go, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And what does a sinner do? Well, a sinner sins. 
I guess I'll never be able to get victory over any of this stuff. I'll just continue to strive after it, but never actually get victory. But that's not what the Word of God says. And by way of reminder, let's look at it again. Romans 6, starting in verse 6. He says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. What happens to something when it dies? It's gone. In order that our body of sin might be done away with. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So you're no longer a slave to sin. We just have to remind ourselves of this. Verse 7. For he who has died is free from sin. Every single one of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior has died. That's how you gain entrance into the kingdom. You have to die. That's the way that it works. For he who has died is freed from sin. Verse 11 as we fast forward. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so as to obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of righteousness. Don't continue to present yourself to that environment, but present yourself instead to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be a master over you. For you are not under the law, but you're under grace." So when the Apostle Paul says that he was sold into bondage to sin, i.e. that he was a slave to sin, either he's communicating to us that he wasn't saved when he wrote the Scriptures, or that he's speaking about himself as presented under the law. I think it should be obvious to you by now that it's the latter. He is not talking about himself in the first person as if this is an ongoing struggle. Why? Because he said he was sold into bondage to sin. Where is the only place that a believer could be sold, not a believer, where is the only place that a person can be sold into bondage of sin? Pre-cross. Before the work of the cross was applied to your life, that's the only place you could be sold into bondage of sin. So the Apostle Paul is either not saved or he's talking about his former life. He's talking about his former life because verse seven, or rather, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, he introduced it to us. He says, and let me talk to you about the law now, the law that he grew up under. Are you starting to get this? And, and, and this is where he gets to this, this famous monologue in verse 15 of chapter 7. For, for what I am doing, I do not understand, for I, I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. How many of you know this has become the grand excuse for all Christians? Oh, the Apostle Paul, he's the, he really wants to do right before God, but he can't. He, he can't. It, it says right there that he really had the struggle. He vacillated on the inside. Oh, he's got this big problem. And we divorce the reality of the scripture from its context that says he's talking about the struggle that he had before Christ. This cannot be your proof text. If it's a proof text for anything, it's, <laughs> I was a sinner saved by grace, and I'm a saint getting ready to conquer the world for Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, grabbing a hold of my new divine nature. <laughs> We're doing stuff, baby. Yeah. Let it be your proof text for that. And then he concludes chapter 7 with this. Wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? Now, here we in, using the illustration of the body. Who will set me free from this body of death? The Apostle Paul describes the Old Testament law as the law of sin and death. 
He's describing the body as that which houses the old nature that was prone to sin. Who will set me free from this body of death? He's saying, who's going to set me free from my old nature that was prone to sin, who could see the righteous ways of God, but because I was a slave to sin, had an inability to actually do it. Who will set me free from this? Verse 25, thanks be to God, it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's how we, that's how we open chapter 8. He's drawing a line in the sand. You see, there it is. There's the cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ right there. On this side, you struggle. On this side, you're empowered. On this side, you're a slave to sin. Sorry, nothing you can do about it. On this side, I'm now empowered to change. On this side, I'm empowered to do better. Our comforts have been lying to us. Most of our doctrinal beliefs have been lying to us. If you have the ability to overcome one sin, you have the ability to overcome all sin. Think about that. Have you ever had victory over any single sin in your life? The answer should be yes. If you've had victory over any single sin, then you can have victory over the next and the next and the next because my God said he would give you everything that you needed for life and godliness and he would provide a way of escape for every temptation, not eventually, but right now from the moment that you said yes to Jesus Christ. From that very moment, you just have to do the hard work to renew your mind and to change your thinking, to take those thoughts captive. The next time you're tempted to step into that addiction, step into worship instead. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. If we look at Moses' expression of glory, he says, God, show me your glory. And, and, and God says, I'll show you that. He let his goodness all pass in, in, in front of him. But the, the, there was a sense in which it said that as he experienced that, you had, well, I'm, getting, I'm getting my stories crossed up. Too much Bible in there. Let's shake it around. There it is. Yeah. Moses comes down off the mountain. His face is shown with the glory of God, right? He had an encounter. The Bible says how much more glory will be here. Now, how much more glory will be in this present dispensation in our period of time when we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, not just meeting on a mountain, but meeting with us and fellowshipping with us on the regular. Now, as we attach it to the story I was just trying to explain, he says we're going from glory to glory. What was glory in that experience of Moses? It was an encounter with God. What does an encounter with God do? It transforms us into his image. When something's going on on the inside of me that's not in accordance with what he said I was, with who I am before him, with what that word of God says, I need to plunge myself deep into the presence. I need to pick up the phone and give somebody a phone call. Help me, pray with me, sing over me right now. God, I refuse to entertain those thoughts. I take them captive and I plunge myself into your presence, into the place where I'm transformed into the likeness of your son. I put myself back on the DNA track that guarantees that when I grow up, I'm going to look like you. When I worship you, I turn all my thoughts and my affections towards you because you're the one that has to reprogram the neuropathways that are prone to the old patterns of comfort. How do we reprogram those? Get in his presence and refuse to entertain anything else. The Apostle Paul, all throughout the Scripture, calls us 
Every time you see it, every time you see him talking about your old flesh, your old nature, what he's doing is he's proclaiming that's who you were. But this, this is who you are. Come be who you are. God has given you everything that you need to be like him. And he's drawn a line in the sand. (laughs) He's saying, when you cross this line, you're empowered to be like me and to break everything that besets you. I want to tell you this morning, you're not alone. Holy Spirit's with you. He's given you everything that you need. If you're struggling with sin, and it's something that's just continued to creep up, it's chronic, I'm telling you, you have power and authority over it this morning because of the work of the cross and the subsequent resurrection. Don't buy into the lie that you are helpless and powerless. The word of God speaks of you very, very differently. And maybe you're with us this morning and you would say, yeah, I'm still over here. I'm still bound up in my sin. I'm, I'm still on this side over here. I, I have, I have, I'm not born again. I don't even know what you're talking about, but I can tell you I'm a, I'm a slave to my sin. It's miserable, and I try to do right, but I always continue to fall into this stuff. If that describes you, and you want to make the journey to the other side where Jesus set you free and empowers you to walk in a new way, we want to invite you, our prayer ministry team. I don't know who's, who's calling people up this morning, but whoever that is can come forward, somebody. Okay, apparently it's Greg. So Greg's going to call the prayer ministry team up here. If, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning, I'm telling you this is the only way. For, it's the only point of victory. It's the only way we can overcome our sin. And you have an opportunity this morning to do that. And we have a prayer ministry team that will be available to you to pray with you. And even if you're just a saint that's gotten bound up by the lies, you thought that you were powerless and you have addictions and issues and sin that you keep going back to is your comfort. Come, we will pray for you. We will help break that stuff off your life. There's power present here this morning for your healing, for your wholeness. It's available. Don't let it pass you. Go ahead, Greg. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.